Welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous 100 Pounder meeting on Wednesday, 25th of November, 4 p.m. UK time. And today we have a wonderful speaker, Susan from Los Angeles. So take it away, Susan. Good morning. I'm Susan, recovered compulsive overeater, calling in from Los Angeles today. Um, Rita, thank you so much for inviting me and Amy, who's become my producer and will share the screen on my photos so I don't lose track as I speak. Um, thank you to my dear friends who are here today, to my sponsees, and I brought other recovered compulsive overeaters here from Los Angeles to show you that if you are struggling, if you are new, this is possible for you too. So at this point, let me qualify. I've been abstinent and recovered. I've been absent for 21 years and what recovered means for me is that after working the ninth step, all of those 10th step promises had happened and more than anything, I have neutrality around food. And I also have had a spiritual awakening as the result of working these steps. So I've abstained, obtained, maintained a normal body weight, something I could never ever do on my own. I couldn't do it on my own power. As men and women who've had the burden of a hundred pounds to lose, we all know that we want to be thin. I have the willingness, so I think on Sunday nights, but on Monday mornings, they've disappeared. I can't keep the memory fresh of what the pain was like. So Amy, if you'd like to show my pictures, please, that way we, everybody can see the evidence. So this is what was going on beforehand. That's actually taken the picture on the seesaw, which don't ask me how I ever gotten that, was actually taken at Regent's Park. I was about 17 or 18. And here you can see what's going on, 250 pounds, size 26 dress. And for some reason, I'm one of those fat girls who has a lot of photos. And then this is what's going on today. Um, Amy will switch slides. So that's me. And that's, I, that's me and my fabulous nephew. And the reason why I show you that is it's amazing to me today that I have somebody in my life who's never known me any other way. Um, it's really a testament to these 12 steps. So after seeing those, I hope you will stick around and don't drop off the line. Um, so I can remember the first time eating at four years old. I grew up in a household that had mental illness. There was a lot of noise. And for some reason, I ate something out of the larder. And when I was asked who ate it, I lied. I don't know why. My brother at the time was two, so it was only going to be me. So something had happened, the allergy had been set off. And I just want to say also, I have an abstinence and a food plan and the two are very, very different. My abstinence is black and white. What works for me wouldn't necessarily work for you. Those foods that I ingest, they cause a phenomenon of craving. I can't start once I, I can't stop, sorry, once I start. And in the doctor's opinion, it talks about that. You know, I seek that sense of ease and comfort. I just look for things that other people don't look for in foods. You know, it talks about that we become restless, irritable and discontented unless we can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes from taking a few bites for us. And I'm essentially looking for that effect. And today I don't have any foods in my life that produce an effect. Is my life boring? Absolutely not. It was so much more work eating and trying to run the show. You know, the beginning of the book tells me that I can be recovered. It says, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that's what I never got. 
that this was something that centered in my mind that I have a chronic illness that will drive me through the gates of insanity and hell. And I never knew that it was permanent, progressive and very fatal. And some of my friends here on the line today, you know, were part of two men's lives who died in this last year because they couldn't stay stopped. They couldn't access that power. So it wasn't that I didn't have willingness or desire, I did. I did, I took every single method that was available to me. Anything that was possible, I was there, I signed up. But I drank like Bill drank. I hid those bottles like Dr. Bob and Bill did. And those Ebbies kept coming and knocking at my door, but I just kept shutting the door on them. I moved away from Northwest London in 1982. And part of it was, I'm just going to change my life. I'm going to live in America. I'm going to come to Los Angeles where at the time everybody was watching Dynasty and Dallas and Knott's Landing and that's it, they've got it all sorted there. And I got off the plane after doing the Beverly Hills diet because of course that was what you do when you're coming to America and it was pineapple day and anybody else would eat a few bits. And I just tell you this to know that I'm a chronic food addict. I'm a gutter drunk with food. I ate so much pineapple on that plane in those 10, 11 hours that my mouth was filled with canker sores, filled with them. So I came here and it got louder and it got worse and it didn't get better. I was exposed to drive-throughs that I'd never ever been exposed to. When I grew up, you know, Sainsbury's and Marks and Sparks were not open on Sundays. So it was pretty hard to go and binge, but I did always find a way because this disease is- Five. Thank you, cunning, baffling, and powerful. So I come to Los Angeles, which is the Mecca of 12 steps. And I was introduced to my first meeting, probably the end of the first year or the beginning of the next year that I was here. And because I'm me, I just said, I don't like this and I don't want to come. I didn't want to be friends with you. I didn't want you hugging me, touching me. And I certainly didn't want to write down things that had gone on in my life. So I bought a book and I left and I never read it. You know, I wasn't willing to take the second part of step one, that my life was unmanageable. I knew probably there was a bit of an issue with food, but that's just because I hadn't found the right day of the week. I hadn't found the right diet. And if you would only stop behaving this way and that, then everything would be okay. But as you can tell, I moved far away from all the noise and the noise got louder because again, it centers in my mind. So I dieted my way up and down and each time I gained weight, it got worse and I gained more and more each time. I've tried all of the methods. I've tried to trick myself with everything. And one of the most drastic moves I made was I had my mouth wired shut. And the reason why I tell you that is I lost no weight in the three months that I had my jaw wired shut. I made a choice, a free choice to go and get this done. And I left this man's house, this dentist's house, resentful and angry. See how displaced everything is when I'm drunk on food? I can't accept any responsibility. I, have, I needed to have a leveling of pride. I needed to leave my ego at the door. All of these things that I never ever knew about. So I kept on going up and down, up and down. And I had a job in a law firm at the time and I, after I'd been to this first meeting years before. And I had a lot of preconceived notions about what addicts looked like. And this gorgeous girl who I worked with one day, it must've been a Monday, we were eating lunch together. And she said to me, you know, they have meetings for people like you. 
So you can imagine I wanted to stab my fork in her. And I sat there very calmly and she revealed to me that she was in AA. And you know how Bill talks about in his story when Ebby's telling him that everything just starts to fall apart and all of those stories and his story, it comes back to him about the ominous warning of the tombstone all the scales of pride and prejudice. And I just sat there shocked. And she offered to take me to a meeting. She'd asked me if I'd ever been. And I said, yes, it doesn't work. And she said, oh, did you ever get a sponsor? And I said, no, 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 but you know, I have the book. Did you read it? silence. So I came in and out like that. There were so many amazing people and there are some friends that a few of us have here on the line. They're not here today and they and I too believe this that God sends a search and rescue for all addicts. So I believe that God brought me to America to find the 12 steps. I don't know that I would have found OA in England. Clearly a lot of you did. I don't know that I would have done. Um, and so you know that light keeps on coming and you're drowning. And it says we are like drowning men. But me, Susan has to ask, where am I going to sit? Is it first class? Is it in the middle? Is it on the back of the boat? Do you have a life vest for me? I am drowning, the tsunami is right behind me. So what I've done today is I've had to give up all negotiations, all subscriptions up here in this toxic wasteland had to be gone. You know, it tells us on page 24 of the big book, the fact is most alcoholics for reasons yet obscure have lost the power of choice in drink. And then it goes on to tell me that I can never bring back into my conscious memory with sufficient force, the memory of the suffering and humiliation. I used to ask God every Sunday night to help me, but did I really ask him to help me? No, I asked, I told him what I wanted. I gave a list of demands. I didn't seek through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact. I went to diet places with lovely people, but they couldn't help me stay stopped when I lost my weight and I had all those jiggy feelings. All those jiggy feelings were a God-sized hole that today has been filled up with fellowship, with the God of my understanding, with being of service, with becoming a we of this program, of reading the doctor's opinion and understanding and gaining so much hope and hearing at the end of Dr. Silkworth's letter, you can rely on anything, absolutely anything that these people have to say. I lied every single day of my life and I would have been insulted at the time if you would have told me, but I did because I couldn't ten. even straight. That's 10. Thank you. So that went by very quickly. So eventually I reached my bottom. I had to admit to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic with food, but I still had a lurking notion because I had a sponsor in Miami. She helped me immensely, immensely. And one of my dear friends who I met through her is here today from Florida. There's Mary, she's on my page. And she gave me a solid foundation in my food. She taught me how to eat with a lady to bring grace into my meals. Then I had a sponsor, wonderful Maxine R, who if you ever read Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, her story is in there. And she taught me how to live my life in these principles, to practice these principles in all my affairs. This is a design for living that works. Our book has its advantages for all. So if you are suffering today, 
if your thighs rubbed together and bled like mine did, if you used to have rashes all over your body from heat, if your trousers rubbed in the middle, if you lay down on your bed and did your jeans up with a hanger, that's how tight mine were. I wouldn't even sit on the train if there was a seat because there were no stretch jeans at the time. You don't have to suffer anymore. We're all lanterns on each other's paths. I do not have all the answers. But I know who has the answers and they're here in these 12 steps. The Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous is the foundation of our program. I have worked these steps because my life does depend on them. Not in case it does. I sponsor to help other people because the theme of the book from day one is we're here to be helpful. They hope that no further authentication needs to happen. I took 16 years. I came in here in my 20s. I got absence when I was 38 and I'm 59 now. I can't tell you, let me have done the pain for you because that didn't work. So I keep on coming to meetings to spread the message, to give hope to those who are still suffering. I can't keep this for myself. Selfishness and self-centeredness are what held me back. I continue to do the work to stay stopped. And it says nothing so much will give us immunity as working with others. And from day one, I've always had service positions. Even if I couldn't have, if, even if it was putting out a chair, I got into the center of the herd. My first sponsor told me that the animals who run on the outside get eaten alive. Well, first of all, I'm not a fast runner but I need all of you. You're all lanterns on my path. I was told to wrap this fellowship around me like a warm blanket. I'm not here to kumbaya you and tell you there, there, it's okay. I know for sure that if you don't do this work, the insanity will continue. And I don't want to be a fatality in these rooms. I want to keep on smiling and sharing and talking the language of the heart and being in the sunlight of the spirit. I know it's possible for you because I know there are many on the lines today who felt as hopeless as I used to. But they've told me that in their 42 personal stories, I will identify. And I do, and I identify with all of you. And that's why I always say yes, if I can. If I would have been at work today, I wouldn't. So please keep on coming back. Outreach to us. I find texts don't work talking to another compulsive eat overeater who has the experience. I don't know exactly how you have felt, but I know that I can take you to God because that was the issue for me. I didn't have a power greater than myself. And it tells me that the lack of power, not desire was my issue. So I'm really excited to be here with all of you. I'm very passionate about these 12 steps. I could continue talking about it all day, but I'm not going to. Thank you so much for having me. And I know that the promises can come true for all of us. So please keep coming back. Thank you. Susan. Thank you.